state of the art. It is. Watch this. I hit record. My, one of my favorite things about yeah. having a podcast is that we get to promote new, young, and upcoming brewers like Marty Vellis. <laughs> <laughs> Take that. <laughs> I, I am new in, in, a, in a sense. <laughs> or fanatic is, anyway. I'm halfway down in the bottom of a bottle and I ain't gonna change my way. But I ain't half bad when I do what I ought to do. So Marty, thank you for for coming on the podcast today. Was that recorded? No, it wasn't. Oh dang it! That was awesome. Was it? <laughs> Good. Hey. Glad we got that recorded. What happened to your beer? It got a little foamy there. Dang! It happened to me too. It's okay. Dial it in, Ellis. Dial it in. I taught you better. It's 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 okay, Charles. I still loved it. Yeah, I still loved it. It was delicious. Um, Alrighty, well, Marty, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for um, having me, Happy Marty. Yeah, yeah. And um, for those who don't know, this is Marty Vellis from Fanatic Brewing. Yay, Yay me! <laughs> <laughs> we like to call him the 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 OG of Knoxville craft beer, yeah. or one of the OGs of Knoxville craft beer, anyway. And what does that stand for? Original gangster. Original gangster. Yeah. Okay. I'm down with that. Okay. I just, want, I just want to go on record before we start saying that this whole social media thing it just kind of frightens and confuses me. I, I just want to make sure that you can assure me that none of these gizmos are going to steal my soul. No, no, no. I don't think so. That, that, that's, that's the one. <laughs> yeah. The only thing you can worry about selling yourself is me or Ratchet because we're gingers. Uh, so. <laughs> I like I like Marianne. I preferred Marianne. <laughs> and I almost spit my beer out. Thank you, DJ. <laughs> Ginger. Yeah. Awesome. Um, well, anyways, thank you for joining us today. Um, really excited to have you here. Um, we'd just like to hear a little bit more about you. What brought you to Knoxville? How'd you get here? Um, and kind of what's your story? Yeah, that's going to take uh, too long. <laughs> so well, we got in, plenty of time. In a, in a nutshell, um, and I won't give you the California side of the story. But I was consulting at the time, mid-90s. Uh, I was at a, a trade show in Portland, Oregon, and we were showing off equipment. I was consulting to equipment manufacturer. Uh, a company somewhere out here in the southeast decided to buy equipment from us. They sent me to set it up. It happened to be Calhoun's on Bearden Hill. And I got a call later, and they said they wanted to do another one, another brewery in Gatlinburg, 96. So it was an extended consulting project, and kind of fell in love with the place. My wife and I were talking about settling down and for me not living out of airplanes and hotel rooms. So I had a couple of offers. One was in Sonoma, California. Um, yeah. So I was running a brewing school in, in Hermosa Beach and two of the guys that came through were setting up a brewery in Sonoma. They wanted me bad. Mm. Um, and then uh, this fellow offered me a job to come help him do that. Set up a Smoky Mountain Brewery or Brewing Division for Copper Cellar Corporation. Wow. So, uh, yeah, I uh, I kind of came over and fell in love with the place and decided to stay. 19 years and, ca <laughs> and counting. 19 years so and counting. I'm a, a Knoxvillian. I love it. This is a great town. 
It's awesome. And um, so, how long were you with um, Smoky Mountain Brewery? Nineteen then? years. Okay. Did I mention awesome. nineteen? And counting. <laughs> and counting. I got well, you. Well, no, I'm a Knoxville in nineteen years. I was with Cabrasella for nineteen years. Total. Awesome. So yeah, now I'm onto something uh, new. That's exciting. And and now the the new thing is Fanatic, correct? Yeah, Fanatic Brewing Company. Here, here. Awesome. Here, here. Yeah. yeah. Shout it out. Yeah. <laughs> So what's our, um, our your plans for Fanatic, and what, what what do you have? What's your mind, your vision? Or, yeah. That's a good question. I kind of ask myself that before I fall asleep every night. Um, I, I got I gotta be honest with you. I started Fanatic Brewing Company for selfish reasons. Uh, brewers got to brew, and the uh, the gig that I was in wasn't. We, we were done. We weren't growing anymore. I wanted something challenging, so I thought, okay, well I could go back to chartered accountancy or engineering. Uh, but yeah, probably not. So <laughs> I needed to brew, and uh, it was always a dream of mine to start a brewery. So um, I, th I thought um, Knoxville's ready, and a lot of energy. Um, you know, we're 11% of the market nationwide. Uh, that means 89% is not. And I thought, well, maybe I could fill some of that, and <laughs> you know, kind of turn those uh, those folks over to something better. So I'm just trying to uh, hoping to, to contribute. And, uh, and do my thing. But yeah, it was ma mainly selfish, so I had a place to brew that I could control and not get, you know, <laughs> not, not, not get uh, messed about with, so yeah. But uh, no, I'm very proud of what I did uh, in my previous uh, position, but I'm really excited and enjoying uh, being the master of my own destiny here. That's that's really exciting. Yeah, um, and in Fanatic, it's been around for about a year now, I think. We started selling in March. Okay. Of this year, so we're just about to hit a thousand barrels. Wow. So that's uh, that's, that's exciting. Impressive. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. And we're we're passing around uh, some of the Fanatic right now. What do we, what do we? The Tennessee Blonde. The Tennessee Blonde. It's one of the the two flagships I have going right now. Uh, very light and refreshing uh, blonde ale. Uh, it's a little lagerized. I'm a lager guy, so everything has kind of a lager touch to it. Um, the two beers that I decided to come out with were um, the, the blonde and a, a pale ale. Very sessionable pale ale. Um, I wanted to have beers that uh, people, that the 89% could taste and say, hey, you know, I can do craft beer. Because they want to do craft beer, but the double IPA that my, my friend gave me the other day, it's hard to jump from that, you know, yeah. from, from what I'm drinking now to that. So this, you could call it training wheels beer, craft beer, uh, seg segue beer, gateway beer. Um, <laughs> yeah, whatever, wh whatever works. So that's, that's the idea, is to get, give, them, give them something that, uh, that they, that's fresh, local, unadulterated, no pasteurization, no chemicals. Uh, Born on date was last Tuesday. Um, so enjoy. Very cool, very cool. Well, prost. 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 So, um, um, apparently, you, you know some of the people in the audience, and you um, I don't know those people. A uh, couple people here. He did it. Yeah, he did it. <laughs> uh, but um, we were talking about the German connection with their brewery. Uh, uh, don't you have a slight German connection, too? You went to... I, I also um, was blessed to do a journeymanship. Uh, this was in southern Bavaria. So my first professional gig was in eighty mid eighties. Uh, I switched from engineering to brewing. Uh, I'd been home brewing since the late seventies, and um, home you know kind of reading trade books and you know tr trade journals, t textbooks, 
on brewing while I was doing aerospace engineer engineering. So, wow. uh, yeah, a little light bulb went off, and, and uh, when the first microbrewery opened in Southern California in Torrance, uh, it was open under the auspices of a Bavarian brewery. And so I said, yeah, sign me up. So the brewmaster was from Germany. He, he offered me the job the next day. Uh, two weeks later, I went from aerospace engineering to brewing under Fritz. And then in 89, they sent me to uh, the mother brewery uh, in Traunstein at the Hofbrauhaus Traunstein. So I, I, I did a journeymanship there. They sent me through all the departments, came back to California, and Fritz went back to the old country, and I took over. So got a leg up there. Really cool. It was a good experience. That's that's awesome that. Uh, yeah, they did brainwash me. They did brainwash. <laughs> <laughs> that's what, awesome uh, that we have a, a, a that you guys have a that German connection and. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, it, are you going to do some German style beers or is? You can't uh, stop me. You, 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 there's no way you, you'd be able to stop me. So there's probably rumor going around that I'm I'm working on a Schwartz beer as our third flagship. Um, so I need something dark. People like the porter that I brewed at my previous um, position, and um, so it's going to have some porter-like qualities. It won't be a quintessential uh, Schwartz beer. I'll, I always put a little twist on on whatever I, I brew, um, but I I assure you it'll be good. So look for that fanatic black. Challenge accepted. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't like it, send it back. I'll I'll finish it for you. <laughs> That's cool. Um, so, so Fanatic Brewing, the brewery you just opened, um, I've noticed the logo is kind of shaped a little bit like a football. Obviously, the name Fanatic. Like, what's the um, what's the connection there? Is it is it just being a sports fan, or what? What kind of is your the ori um, the original idea? It was to that. kind of appeal to that eighty nine percent. Yes. And we just it just it's a travesty in my mind that eighty nine percent of our of our fellow citizens are subjecting themselves to beer that is not, in my mind, truly satisfying or um, fresh or wholesome. So mm -hmm. um, I'm not saying that, that it's a bad thing, but if you look back in the 50s as a precedent where people were drinking table wine and drink, you know, eating white bread and, and bologna, um, we've come a long way uh, from that point. And with ethnic cuisine and, you know, wonderful flavors in, in uh, food and varietal wines, craft beer. And I, keep in mind, I've been, I've been doing this before craft beer. I mean, I grew up with it. So I watched it go through all its paces. And what it was doing was it was doing the same thing that wine and, and, and food was doing in this country, was providing a, a um, variety and, and fresh flavors and interesting flavors. If you think about spices in, in food, hops and beer. Well, when, in the late 70s, there was no hops in, in American beer. And, uh, and there wasn't any really good import beer to, to, to be had at that point anyway. So people were traveling to Europe, tasting these incredible beers, the hoppy pilsners and the pale ales, coming back, like Jack McAuliffe in 76, uh, came back and started New Albion. That was the very first craft brewery in the United States because he tasted that beer in Scotland and had to have it. So when I went to Czechoslovakia uh, in the late 70s, I had to have that pilsner. And so I've been peddling ever since. Just, it's just driving me. <laughs> just, just out of curiosity, was that your first time out of the country? No, no. Okay. Uh, my mom, my mom would take me and my little brother to her village in Czechoslovakia every summer. We'd spend the summer on her on her farm. So the summer when I was 17, it was okay to drink beer, and yeah. I fell in love with the Budvar and Kozel and and uh, the Pilsner Kell and uh, and uh, yeah, I had to have it. So. Yeah. 
Yeah, I just asked because my first time out of the country was to Prague, so oh, that's yeah, really cool. You could pick a lot, lot worse destination. <laughs> Tijuana, for instance. That was, my, that was my first experience. Didn't need a passport, but you needed a lot of shots and medicine and therapy. <laughs> What, um, so, uh, the, your, the future of uh, a fanatic and stuff as you go forward, um, what you know, releases coming up? Besides, you got the sports beer you said? Yeah, well, so, so I, I brewed a winter beer because <laughs> I, need, I needed to have, um, I, I had a tank and I designated it for a winter beer. I wanted to get a seasonal out there because a lot of people were asking for it. And I, I, I like a variety. So I have a winter beer that'll be released in about two and a half weeks. Draft only, Knox County only, just throw it out there. Um, and see if people like it. I like it. Uh, it's tasting good, and it's a variation on something I've done uh, back in California. But uh, like I said, coming up is a Schwartz beer, and then beyond that, what, um, I just decided to put in a tasting room uh, because I really want. Uh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> so, so, and, and, it, and yeah, I want. I want to be. We're, we're at. We're at the uh, at the frontier of Central. Uh, North Central, mm -hmm. and so we we want to be an anchor. We want to be a destination, and we want you to hit all of our you know all, all of our colleagues along the way. Schultz Schultz Brow is going to be amazing. Looking forward to that. Spending time in their beer garden, and then uh, you know come and, and start with us, or finish with us, or hit us at some point. But I want to um, get Knoxville to tell me what beers they want to brew, what, what the beers they want me to brew, because I'll be flexible enough to uh, do that. So I'm going to be doing ex experimentation uh, like Daniel's been doing. Um, and you can taste it, have it only at the taste room, and I'm gonna get people to sound in and say, hey, what, do you like this? Do you want me to brew this? And then just brew a one-off uh, and have some fun with it. So like I said, I'm, Fanatic is, is, my, is my selfish indulgence, and, and I'd like you all to you know, join me in, in that journey. <laughs> So um, how, how far to reach do you want to do with your canning and your bottling and then? You know, that facility can probably squeeze out 25, 30,000 barrels uh, the way it stands. It's about a 200-mile radius. If I get there in three years or four years, I'd be happy. Um, I'm not really interested in selling beer in Kansas or South Dakota. They've got good beer there. Yeah, they do. And, uh, and I want to I focus. I'm a big advocate of, of local breweries. And uh, if we get from 11% to 20%, it's going to be local breweries, and it's going to be, um, and it's not always going to, it's going to be Imperial IPA. So the beers, the, the session beers that I'm doing, the pale ale, and I just have to say this, and you can totally delete it if you want, but the <laughs> session IPAs, they're pale ales, people, pale ales. <laughs> I know IPA is sexy, but come on, call a spade a spade. So I call mine pale ale, and Sierra Nevada pale ale is one of my favorite pale ales, and it's an inspiration to me. I, I, ho I homebrewed with those guys back in the 80s. Kenny Grossman uh, is amazing, uh, amazing story, not just in the beer industry, but just American business in general. Um, so I give a shout out to him, um, but yeah, so pale ales, the, the blonde, stuff like that, and loggers, hopefully I'll see more loggers, I want more craft loggers, so I encourage any of you out there listening, if you're um, looking to brew something different, um, brew me some loggers. And, and by the way, thank you for that. Yeah, you bet. Um, seriously, thank like, you. I, I've just noticed Knoxville's got a huge fascination with IPAs and there's nothing wrong with that I love IPAs there's so many good IPAs out there. I, I love them too don't but, get me wrong but we need a little more variety and I like that you're coming to the table with something that's saying you know we're gonna do we're gonna do 
you know, pale ales. Um, we're going to do the lagers. We're going to do more of that style. Yeah, the Schwartz beer, um, the Berliner Weiss. I mean, that's a beautiful style. It's a mm-hmm. lovely style, and uh, you don't see it much. So I'm, I'm really encouraged that uh, that that's being offered. So it's it's, um, it's going to be exciting times coming ahead, coming up. Awesome. Um, so you you're talking about how, how you want to be an influence and, and be part of the Knoxville beer community big time. Like, so collaborations, so do you, are you open to collaborations? Oh, absolutely, or? I love it. I mean, it, it's, it's part and parcel. This is my family. I grew up with this, like I said, since the late 70s. Um, I've, I've ridden it up and down, and uh, very proud of it. And, and um, you know, if you talk to the folks in Denver, it's something that we should really be pr- not only proud of, but, but be protective of, is our camaraderie and our, our collaboration and our encouragement of each other. Just in Knoxville, I mean, I call, you know, Black Horse and, and Sawworks and say, hey, have you got this? Can I got some yeast from Alliance the other day to brew a coals for my students at South College. That's amazing. You don't find that in, in other industries in the States or, or anywhere on the planet. Um, so it's really, it's really a precious, unique thing that I, I think we should really all strive to uh, preserve and, and build on as, a, as an example of an industry that can thrive and also cooperate and, and, uh, and, and help one another. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, you mentioned South College, so tell us a little bit about the, uh, the journey with South College. What's, what's brought you there and what all you're offering as far as education at South College goes? So a little background. Uh, in California, I, I did some extension courses for UCLA, uh, very popular, did three courses, Science of Brewing, Business of Brewing, and Beer Appreciation. That was a good one. <laughs> um, it sold out, uh, and then and then I from that I launched into the American Craft Brewers Academy. So I developed and ran a, a, a hands-on brewing school in Hermosa Beach for a number of years. Actually, before I moved here in the in the early 90s. So um, Dr. Todd White from from South College approached me, and he's a if any any of you have been here for an appreciable amount of time, you've met Dr. Todd White. He's he's a, a Next to Ratchet, he's the biggest proponent of, uh, of craft beer in Knoxville that I know. And, and you know, Zach and, and those guys are right on that same level. But uh, So he approached me and he said, hey, Marty, can you help me develop a curriculum? Because I'd like to pitch this to South College. I think it's, it's needed. Uh, the, the two major uh, brewing curriculums on the, in, the, in the United States are on a three-year wait. So we went together, we put our heads together, we, we came out with it, they, they decided to offer it. So we've got, um, right now we've got 19 students, it's a three-quarter program, uh, soup to nuts, they do everything from microbiology, biochemistry, business, grain handling, uh, yeast handling, um, product development, engineering, uh, you name it. And um, it's very comprehensive, we have over 95% uh, jo- um, job placement rate. Great breweries. I mean, we've got folks and founders. Uh, one just went to North Coast and Fort Bragg. Um, Terrapin. So, Terrapin, yeah, thank you. And uh, all over the place. I'm very proud of that. So um, it's, it's something that's happening in Knoxville. And, and it really it, it should be part of our anchor as, as becoming a, a, a craft beer uh, center. Yeah. Well, you you speak about becoming a craft beer center. You've kind of you've been here for 19 years. You, I think you are the catalyst for a lot of the craft beer culture that we have here in Knoxville, and you've seen it grow. Um, what do you think? What, what do you think about all the breweries popping up and the, and the, the growth recently, and how you you, you kind of have some 
you're the reason for that, some of that. So. Well, yeah, I think it's about time, and uh, we are we are playing catch up, but but we're doing it right. All the breweries that I see coming online are doing it with with good capitalization, well thought out, picking great locations, and re-energizing some of the areas. I mean, if you look around the country, there are are total areas of of um, complete areas of, of of cities that are being reborn, and the anchors are craft brewers that are taking a chance on these. Uh, these blighted areas and buying these warehouses and these train stations and setting up breweries and then all of a sudden these other businesses are growing up around them. I think that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, you could speak to that with them, um, like ha uh, Happy Holler. We, I mean, you just you have craft beer places and uh, with um, Hops and Holler and yep. um, uh, and well, South Knoxville and uh, Alliance and stuff. All that stuff is growing because of craft beer. Um, just being a part of those areas and wanting to get in and get in those areas and rejuvenating those areas. Yeah. So, so what's really cool to think about is the United States is the preeminent brewing country in the in in the world right now. It's, you know, and that was always Germany or Czechoslovakia or England. Uh, we're it. Yeah. We have the most diversity. We've got over four thousand breweries. Uh, we're growing. Uh, all those other you know brewing countries, so to speak, are are dwindling and consolidating. Uh, and and we're we're growing and exploding. So I think it's it's amazing, something to really be proud of. Very cool. <laughs> uh, so so question for you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is, this is a, I think you'd be the perfect person to ask this. Philosophically, um, I had heard a while back a a wine taster. Um, what do you call him? A sommelier, master sommelier, mm -hmm. say that the one thing about craft beer is you can't taste place within craft beer. Do you agree or disagree? And how do you find place within craft beer? Place. Place, meaning like when you when you taste a wine, you know like oh well this is a Chardonnay it came from this part of France ah, and, and all that. Like the, how do you how do you the, um, the terroir? Yes. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> say, say it right, Frenchie. It's chowder. <laughs> we we do. Hey, we we we. You are aware this is the beer market, okay? <laughs> I mean, maybe this is a little high level, but, but it's a question I'd love to hear. I, you I wasn't familiar with the term place. I, yeah. I, that tells you how much wine I I, yeah. I drink. Um, yeah, it's um, so it's it's a little bit different in the beer industry because. Uh, all of our grain is grown in grain growing regions, which is the Minnesotas, Canada, the, the Dakotas. Everybody gets their grain from there, and it's excellent grain. Uh, the nice thing is, or the, or the, what what um, what we can offer to kind of be analogous to the uh, the place in the grapes is that the brewers can actually have malt or or, or barley or wheat custom um, malted hmm. and kilned. So, and that's happening. Sierra Nevada is a, Sierra Nevada is a good example. They, uh, they work with their maltsters and they say, these are the, the specifications, this is the color, these are the flavor components, the melanoidin constituents, the organ organoleptic uh, compounds that we want to develop in this malt because we know through our testing it's going to depart, impart this uh, unique flavor. Um, so we're not we're not uh, subject to to nature so much. We can actually um, control that ourselves. So so that's that's what's happening on the grain side. On the hop side, it's amazing. I mean, uh, beer is so much more complex a, a product than wine. With wine, you've got one ma one raw material. With beer, you've got two. 
and they're they're really diversified um, material. So with the hops being the spice in the beer, uh, my my brewery has 14 different hops that we we mix and and uh, and combine, uh, and they all bring a unique citrusy or earthy or you name it flowery um, uh, component. So much more complex product. So put that place guy in his place. <laughs> <laughs> I love beer it. Beer rules. Yeah. Awesome. All righty. Well, Marty, thank you. GJ, do you have any other questions? I'm, I'm good. Um, I think we should. Uh, there Open are some pale people ale? here we, that we have to, try, to we have. We need to try the pale ale. We've, yes. Have we tried the pale ale? We've, that's, that's what uh, yeah. Rachel poured for you. Has anybody enjoyed the pale ale? Or is there, is there another one? Yeah. yeah the pale ale, we had the pale ale. It's not bad. I didn't it's not get bad it, at it. all. Not bad at all. Well, thank you. So, <laughs> thank you very much. We we have this, like I said, this new young up and coming brewer here. We we got to have people <laughs> that want to ask questions. Oh, we got to. <laughs> and, and if you've got a question too. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Okay. <laughs> and we have a microphone right here, too. Yeah. So if you guys have a question, feel free to come up. and. All right, yeah. fire. No. Fire okay. at will. Okay, you are considered the authority on beer in Knoxville, okay? That is understood by anyone that's in the beer community here, okay? Okay. Where do you see the Knoxville Beer Committee in two years? Do you think we can elevate this to something that's regional, national, as far as what beer is in Knoxville? I mean, like Asheville, everyone looks at Asheville like that's the place to go. But can Knoxville be something that's comparable to Asheville? Uh, that and more, and okay. I believe that we have we have a more diversified demographic here. Um, we have a great appreciation for craft beer. We've been drinking a lot of Georgia beer and and South Carolina beer and and uh, uh, North Carolina beer. Um, so Tennesseans want to drink Tennessee beer, and they're not going to stop drinking those beers. But we have the opportunity here to really um, make an impact. So the whole Southeast is kind of coming. Uh, up to speed and, and and joining the party as it were again 11 percent nationally we're looking at 20 we're looking to 20 for 20 percent by 2020 um we're going to be doing that there's some states that are kind of saturated and some that are you know kind of leveled off uh, we're on fire this region is is just exploding so we want to make sure that we do it right and quality is important so what i see is very encouraging i'm cautiously optimistic that uh, we're we're going to do it right and and uh, and and be sustainable, uh, but it's exciting. The diversity, I mean, just the, the the different styles that are being brewed here at this early stage of our development. We've got what a handful of breweries now and 16 uh, planned for um, this time next year, which is a great start. Uh, I think we can we can um, support 50 to 100 breweries from nano to uh, micro. There's no reason not to. Asheville, as an example, is a quarter of the population or a third of the population. They've got, what, 40, almost 40 breweries. And three of them are not nano breweries. Three of them are pretty good sized breweries. So um, I'm working with the, the folks in Blount County to attract uh, an anchor like Sierra Nevada, Oscar Blues, uh, New Belgium to this area. Um, and we're hoping to, to attract somebody because for them, it's, it's a logistical consideration. Uh, they need to be close to the East Coast, so they need to be close to I-10, I-40, on this side, um, and uh, and 75. So they need to get their beer, you know, to the East Coast um, market, because if they ship it from Chico or Portland or or whatever, it's an extra six dollars a case. So it's it's a it's it's a logistic necessity. If you look at the, how Anheuser Busch um, grew their their company. 
they would max out a plant and then they'd say, okay, this is too far to distribute, so we're gonna put a plant here, and then a plant here, and then they ended up with 13 plants nationwide. So hopefully that, that's where we're going, um, but the beer will be more interesting. Uh, but no Knoxville's definitely gonna be um, involved in that. Well, 50 breweries. Oh yeah, easy. That's impressive. Easy. Yeah. Now, now keep in mind that there's, some of those are going to be nano breweries, and they're yeah. going to just like restaurants. How many restaurants do we have? Yeah, I mean, we've got huge chains, and we've got little little hole in the walls, little dives, uh, and they're all great. Um, so you know, some of them are going to be brew pubs. Uh, there'll be a handful of uh, production breweries. But yeah, there's no reason why we we shouldn't um, enjoy that. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Questions? Questions. Questions. You said you worked for. What was the first uh, craft beer brewery? What did you say in South Southern California? So it was called Alpine Village Hofbrau. Okay. Yeah, in Torrance. Okay. And uh, that was you know set up from the uh, the uh, so that the the mayor of Rancho Palos Verdes was an expatriate Bavarian, and he saw all these uh, small little ale breweries up north, Sierra Nevada and and River City and New Belt or uh, New Albion, and he said, well, we we need to have some good lager beer here. So. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to see maybe if I could help with that. So that's what that's what, uh, that's what he did. And he went to his hometown in Traunstein, and he, he approached three different brewers, and one of them said, "Yeah, I'll help you." So he got all the equipment, the engineer, the brewer, and then I, I was there while we were building, which was really cool. It would see it kind of take place. And um, I had an engineering background, so I, I paid attention. And, and that's that's when I was a consultant. I did. Uh, equipment design and product development and training, so it was fun, fun time. Yeah. That's cool. Well, questions? More questions? Come on. Sure. Other people and, and come on. We need <laughs> no the, no boxers or briefs. Questions? Yeah, no, yeah. Of, of all of your favorite <laughs> favorite brewing students at South College, <laughs> you took a page from my book, didn't you? <laughs> so there was there was one fellow that we like to call Chaz. Um, <laughs> He wasn't it, <laughs> but, but he was the most colorful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm proud yeah, of him. We got a question up here. Questions. Yay, Kitty. Yay, Kitty. Um, what do you see as the biggest obstacle to craft brewing outside of like people being used to the main companies? Outside of that, what do you think is the biggest obstacle to craft beer? Between uh, us growing as, as, as like a beer culture and growing, yeah. Le legislation. So we still have the highest tax rate of uh, the, the whole country, uh, and we are working hard with the people in Denver and the Tennessee Brewers Guild to encourage our legislators to to give us a break, because when we're making five bar five barrels at a time or or fifteen barrels at a time. Um, our cost of goods, our cost of operation is much higher than those making hundreds of thousands of barrels. And we want to, I mean, the United States is known for kind of ba balancing the uh, playing field and given the small business, the entrepreneurs, which is a huge percentage of our income, of our, our uh, gross national product, um, an opportunity to participate in the economy. And those tax structures and, and laws allowing it, because we're doing stuff that, that large breweries don't do, don't want to do, aren't interested in doing, but they're kind of interested in us not being able to do it because it's taking a little bit um, away from their market, um, like the growler laws and things like that. So I encourage you to uh, contact your, 
your representatives and, and let them know that it's important to you, that you want this, that you want it It's part of your community. We're, we're paying taxes to the, you know, the city, state, and, and um, we're employing Tennesseans. So I think that really needs to be um, expounded upon and, and uh, they need to know that there's a, enough people out here um, that, that's, that's a, in a concern. So please do that. Cool. Great question. Thanks, Katie. Excellent. Next question. Anybody else got a question? Yeah. So if you're going to make a five-gallon batch of homebrew just for your own consumption, what would you make? Me? Yeah. Bohemian Pilsner. Duh. It's fair fair question. I mean, that that's that's really the beer that got me interested in brewing in the first place. Yeah. And I, I love... I love the the northern German pilsners, the hoppy dry pilsners, but I'm just, I'm a lager guy. I'm I'm just I'm, I'm not making apologies. I can't help it. <laughs> can't help it. So, but I, I I've, I'm I'm a, a grandmaster um, judge and I'm a international judge. I judge at the World Beer Cup and the Great American Beer Festival, and I have I have developed um, an appreciation for pretty much every style, uh, including sours. As long as they're well made, so and I'll and I'll call bullshit uh, if, if if they're not. And that's one for me. We we hope. You. And, and if if somebody has to call bullshit, they it would be you, and we would all listen. I'm in a position to call bullshit and be um, understood. So be taken seriously. So any more quick? We got more another question here. Yes, sir. Everybody here is obviously interested in craft beer, what everybody has to say, but if anybody's listening or doesn't know, like, how do you explain craft beer to them to get them away from some of the mainstream stuff like the, just the, the big guys? Like, what, is, what makes it that much different? What's your pitch for craft beer? No, that, that's a great question. And, and what happened if you go back to the 60s and the 70s when people were graduating college and going to Europe um, what really struck them is that the beers had a fresh quality. So it's like the, the bakeries that brew fresh bread. Um, Day-old bread and fresh bread are, are, are two different animals. And really good loaf of freshly made bread, uh, not white bread, but good bread, is, is different than a three-old day uh, loaf of bread. So beer is more like bread than liquor or wine. Uh, beer is at its peak the moment it leaves the brewery. It doesn't get any better after that, unlike wine and, and spirits. Uh, so it's more like bread, and I, and I liken it to fresh bread. So that freshness is probably the, the top reason. Also, uh, craft brewers don't tend to put any chemicals into their beer. A lot of us don't pasteurize. A lot of us don't filter. And in, if you go to Europe and you look at the small breweries, the little craft breweries, if you will, they call them Gasthaus Brauerein or whatever, you know, what have you. Sure, yeah. um, so <laughs> their, their beers are unfiltered, and people appreciate that because they, they understand that it makes a whole product. And you've got texture from the yeast, you've got B vitamins from the yeast. It's a healthy drink in their mind. So all of these, all of these things contribute to um, elevating craft beer to a, a super premium uh, status over mass-produced, highly filtered, highly processed, and chemical-laden beers that have to be, by necessity, in order to assure 180-day um, room, room temperature shelf life, it, it's just it's just a necessity. So. Hmm. And with that, I guess, I mean, there's a lot of brewers that are doing experimental stuff, a lot of interesting styles, trying to revive old ones. And those are difficult to get them right so they taste like what people are calling them. 
is that, do you think that's more difficult to do something like that or to get something like a traditional style, like a pale ale, a pilsner, and get that right every time and do it to a way that's something that you can come back to that you want to just keep drinking? The former. Does that work? <laughs> okay, so, so here, no, no, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't need to be trite. But, and this is, this is an important, important subject. Um, so I don't like to get hung up on um, styles, per se. I don't like to get pigeonholed. One of the things about American craft brewers is that they're innovative. They're, they're out there. They're, they're pushing the envelope. They're creating new styles. They're taking traditional styles and, and, and building on them, making them better, doubling them, tripling them, or, or adding different nuances to them. So I encourage people not to get hung up on styles. Um, it needs to just be good and well-made. Most of my beers are synthesized, unless I'm making that Bohemian Pilsner that can't be perfected, can't be, can't be improved upon in my mind. Uh, I, will, I will put a little twist on it. If I, th if I have access to a hop like a Mosaic or Amarillo, Amarillo and I want to put it into a traditional beer style, I'll do that and I'll come up with a different animal, but it's going to be good. Or you know, once I release it. <laughs> um, so so yeah, I don't I don't like to 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 see people trying to squeeze into a narrowly defined style. There's no reason to, because we have so many incredible ingredients and techniques and procedures and and, and innovative spirit that we we should be making something that we think would be good. That's what makes it the craft. That's the art form. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for those questions. Great question. What, what do we got? Anybody else got a question? Or There we go. Got a question. Um, so talking about people or uh, breweries that have influenced you, are there specific people in your past that you think have uh, either influenced or helped you become a better brewer? And specifically, any funny or quirky anecdotes you have to go along with it? Oh, absolutely. Uh, mo mostly, mostly my uh, my home brewing um, buddies back in the you know in the early days, they were um, they were incredible. I mean, they were so passionate about it, and they they kind of um, swept me up in it. So I, all I wanted to do was make a decent pilsner beer because I couldn't buy it. But these guys were like they were they were um, fanatics. <laughs> and uh, 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 no, seriously, and so so I, I just got the bug, and uh, and so we would make um, we would make all kinds of beers, and, and uh, you know there was one guy that, that was making lager beer, and I kind of glommed onto him, and I, I said okay you know this is what I want to do, and, and so we brewed batch after batch after batch, and it started to come out good, and my brother wouldn't wouldn't spit it out anymore, so that was huge, the day that he actually kept it down, um, because he was a Coors Light drinker. Um, but um, so there was this one time that we were brewing, uh, was brewing with Danny Hart in Manhattan Beach, and we were eating sub sandwiches and stirring the kettle, and we dropped the salami sandwich into the uh, into the beer, and it was a lager beer. I think it was an Oktoberfest style or something. Anyway, we fished it out, and we ate the part of the sandwich that didn't go in, and we called it salami lager, and it was it was actually kind of good. So. <laughs> but we didn't we didn't try to reproduce it. Um, but those are the people that had the strongest uh, influence on me uh, wanting to pursue it as a hobby and then after that pursue it a, as a career and and kind of got me involved in it uh, um, to to this day. So grateful to, to that Maltos Falcons. Shout out. Yeah. Just we just celebrate oldest oldest homebrewing club in the United States. We just celebrated 40 year anniversary. So thank you. Yeah. Wow.
So Steve, Steve Grossman, Kenny Grossman's brother, was a member of Maltos Falcons. John Mayer from uh, Rogue was a, a member. Um, yeah, we have some some good street cred there with the Falcons. That's awesome. But yeah, that was, uh, and that's why I, I love the homebrewing uh, scene. I mean, they really drive this this industry, and, and will always be a, a, a integral part of it. So, so for somebody listening, that um, well, of course, any more questions are definitely welcome. But for somebody listening that um, hasn't or is interested in getting into craft beer and, and hasn't really gotten into the like the brewing side, sorry, craft beer brewing, like what would you recommend for them like as a logical next step for craft beer brewing, like coming from the oldest craft brewing guild in or um, club in America, like what would you recommend as a next step for them? To get into it professionally? Yeah, well, well not even professionally, but just like, hey, I want to start doing this in my apartment or in my home. No, it's a great hobby. Um, what really attracted me to it, besides those crazy falcons, was that it turned out to be a really cool combination of scientific challenge and artistic outlet. So it's a, it's a left brain, right brain thing, which it's hard to find. And so I, I like both of those aspects of it. Um, so you're kind of a, a, a gourmet chef, but you're also a mad scientist. And you know, you're, you're taking notes and you're, and you're che checking down temperatures and times, but you're also saying, you know what, I think an ounce and a half, well, two ounces of that. Um, so, and that's really cool. Now, now me, I was analytical, I'm a recovering engineer, so I would, I would say, okay, I'm gonna make a Schwartz beer, and I'm gonna use this malt, and then the next batch, I'm gonna change one thing and then compare those two. And then I'm gonna change a hop and then compare those two. So it actually um, was a good process. It was tedious at times, but the, the results made it worthwhile. And every time, you know, you'd improve it or you'd, you'd step back. So, um, but it, it, it's a fun process and it's a great hobby. Um, so I, I get, that having been said, I have a lot of people come to me and say, Marty, I quit homebrewing. I say, why? I said, because there's great beer everywhere and and my uh, my wife said uh, I don't need to brew anymore that I can work on the yard so I said okay well sorry but uh, yeah so so cool it's not absolutely necessary anymore but it's still a fun hobby I, I always look forward to experimenting so awesome. still do awesome any more any more questions from the audience anybody questions else? from the audience come on Going once. <laughs> Going twice. Oh, yeah, we, we got one over here from Jerry. No, no, we uh, come on. Oh, I totally saw you raise your hand. Uh, come on. I'm about to these, sir. Oh, no, uh, not, not worthy. Okay. I'm blessed. What's the weirdest recipe? Weirdest recipe. Be besides the salami beer? <laughs> okay, yeah, that wasn't actually part of the recipe. <laughs> uh, I mean, I've done I've done ginger meads and stuff like that. Beer-wise, beer I'm not... I'm not really adventuresome. I'm, I'm really not. So um, I've used nettles uh, in beer, which would probably be the, the farthest out there I've gotten, which was kind of interesting. Uh, but I, I've, always, I've always been kind of a traditionalist as far as uh, you know, wanting to make that Pilsner and then whatever, came, whatever else came along. What I wanted to do was develop an appreciation for all the styles, but I wanted to see what I could do with them. So yeah, it's probably either the nettle beer or the salami beer. That's if you awesome. don't count a ginger me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, um, I think I think anybody else has any more questions? 
else. Now, um, I think that that's going to conclude our Humble Beer Live, but um, I think we're going to stay around and do our Humble Soccer Live now, right? I'll give up my seat, Jerry. You can come up here. Soccer football been very, very good. I just found out the score of the Man United game right live. I'm just now, I'm just, Spoilers, I'm, people. Oh, my oh. goodness. But anyway. Thanks for showing up um, the first half. Oh, <laughs> anyway, but... All but right. Well, thank thank you. everybody. Thank everybody that's been here. Uh, yeah, thank, thank Marty. Marty and, uh, of course, um, Charlie from... Um, or Charles, sorry. Yeah, I've been, I've been, yeah. been corrected Char- on that. Charlie, Charles, 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 Chaz, Chaz, Chaz from um, Blue Pants. Then, of course... Chuck. And, and then, of course, Mike. Mike from Last Days Mike in Autumn. Mike from Last Days and Daniel and, from yeah. Last Days. We, we were uh, – I was kind of upset. We uh, He was running a little late. We didn't get the um, brew builder extraordinaire on to talk about the uh, building. That's why I was kind of – Sam sitting right here in front of us, the, the brew builder, build builder extraordinaire. So we can get him on, but we'll, we'll have him on next, next podcast. We, we, can, we can make that into a whole episode. Yeah, how, how, how to really build a brewery. That would be about. awesome. You can, ca- you, you can cast from Fanatic. <laughs> While Sam's working on my tasting room. There you go. Yeah, awesome. Go. Awesome. So, All right. Well, um, thank you guys for joining today. Thank you for our live audience. This has been really cool, really fun to have. Um, and uh, actually, c- can we can we say where we'll be next live? What will we? Where will we be next live? I don't know. <laughs> We're gonna be live again. Can where we, this, I thought this was pirate oh, radio. Yeah. We can I'm say asking it. if you can say. It. <laughs> we can say it. Actually, I don't know. You're the one who talked to him. So. I did talk to him. We, we will be live at Winter Beer Fest. Warmer, warmer. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes. yeah. So we'll be live there in Beer Festival. So that um, that's, that will be our next live episode. So buy a ticket. <laughs> yeah, they have, in Townsend. Yeah. yeah, we'll be live. We'll be live there. Buy a ticket and see us yeah. live. Buy a ticket and see us live, please. Yeah, 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 please. And um, again, thank you everybody for coming on the podcast. Um, this has been great having everybody live. And uh, this has been Chris Hill. This is DJ Loop. And uh, remember to stay humble and try new beer. Good night, Gracie.